0: okay so i think uh, we should probably get started most of you have started joining us and if you've uh, if others of you have galti sort of tuned in then uh, my apologies we just i'm just switching from youtube to this one to be able to uh, counter some of the connection issues we had and this is my midweek uh, teaching time where i teach the bible to some of the members of my church and anybody else who's, who's interested. And today we're answering the question, does God punish believers when they sin? Does God punish believers when they sin? All right, so let's uh, let's get started with that. Uh, Father in heaven, uh, we've seen some disturbance, but we really want to get through this and we don't want to give up so easily. And we know that you're a good God and that you have something good on your heart to, talk, to tell us. Lord, uh, we defy the work of uh, the wicked one and we ask father that uh, tonight people will someone will get something amazing and uh, go to sleep tonight with a with a lighter heart this is my prayer to you in jesus name amen okay so when life is rough and things don't go our way when life is rough and things don't go our way there is a tendency to think that god is punishing us for some wrong this is a very religious kind of a mentality it's a it's a Uh, It's a guilt mentality. It's 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 something that a lot of people have been brought up with that There is a good works and bad works and based on your works. uh, You 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 receive uh, I think so God is kind of like a cosmic uh, School teacher or or a correctional uh, Officer just kind of waiting for you to make something uh, Do something wrong and then he's gonna crack the whip No matter what Background you have religious or otherwise and no matter how how much you believe the scriptures the Bible still there will be that fear that sometimes Something is happening because God is mad at you Um, I mean people around us get mad at us all the time. So why not God, right? Um, We get mad at ourselves and we oftentimes people uh, find people finding fault with us constantly so perhaps God is the same kind of person or oh, it's the same thing happening there. I want to clarify that and I want to get down to what the Bible talks about that. When life is rough and things don't go our way, there is a tendency to think that God is punishing us for some wrong. Uh, this is a Judeo-Christian worldview and, and it's, a, it's a strong worldview and we believe that, uh, that you know God in, in, in history has corrected people. And that's true. In a sense that uh, there has been national correction. Nations have been corrected. Nations have been disciplined. Nations have been punished. There has been people you've seen in the scriptures where there was uh, immediate punishment. Immediate punishment. But we are not a works-oriented faith. We are not a works-oriented faith. We are a faith. Uh, we are we are a grace-oriented faith, right? We definitely fear uh, that we have either strayed from God strayed from his ways or crossed his path we we struggle with this with this idea that either we have strayed away from him and he's cracking the whip and bringing us back or we have upset him and we have crossed his path to use that terminology we have crossed his path and we have made in we've made it's kind of like keeping the gods happy it's kind of like uh, keeping uh, like make sure that everything is as good up there in heaven you know give him what he wants Make him happy like he'll leave you alone. That's a very pagan sort of a mentality, a very, uh, you know, uh, humans, gods, demigods kind of a uh, uh, world. This, this, this evening, I just want to, and we're short for time now because we've lost a lot of time with the network issues. But this evening, I just want to uh, cover three scopes of realization. Three scopes of realization. How does God deal with broken covenant, right? We need to understand that. We really need to understand that because once that's out of the way, we can deal with what's really happening in in front of us and around us. How does God uh, deal with broken covenant? How God number two deals with errant children? How does God deal with errant children? How does He correct? How does He punish children? As if we are His children, then we should be corrected. Uh, so how does He do that? And uh, what's what's the what is, what's the criteria for that? And number three, how does God restore His name? When we do walk, go away, when we do go astray, when we do sin and we bring shame to his name as his children, then how does he uh, restore his name? How does he bring us back onto track? How does he uh, restore the relationship and and bring things back to normal? You know, because God is always, always God is the initiator. God is the initiator. The Bible says no one really seeks after God. Nobody. Nobody really wants to know what's on God's heart and what, what... uh, to be right with God, no. Everyone has gone his own way. Uh, everyone wants to do their own thing. Those who seem religious, even that's going their own way. It's not really seeking after God, because it's not going after God in His according on on His terms. So that's why I want to look at these three areas: how God deals with broken sin, uh, covenant, That's sin, that's the big sin issue with a holy God. Uh, how does a holy God deal, and how does uh, God deal with ended children, and of course, how does God restore? his name okay let's look at those three number one god deals with broken covenant or how does god deal with the broken covenant now i have often taken you back to before the foundations of the earth taking you back to before creation and told you the story as god has revealed it to us that uh, god is a holy god and in him there is no darkness there is no sin and can never be any sin and when sin occurs, God must punish. It is the justice of God that calls God to, to 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 justice, and He has to punish sin. Sin cannot go unpunished. The Bible says, "Without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin." Why shedding of blood? Because life is in the blood. Why is life in the blood? Because uh, you know the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So. Uh, where there's sin there will be death where death is placed life has to be uh, taken in order to give life again so that we've been through that all a, a lot of times and if that confuses you then perhaps we need to go back to basics so beginning with the sin problem a holy god must deal with sin you have to understand that and you have to realize that that all sin must be punished now here's the good news But before I tell you that, let's go back to uh, Leviticus chapter 16 verse 27. The bull of the sin offering, this is way into the Old Testament, right? The bull of the sin offering and the goat of the sin offering whose blood was brought to make atonement in the holy place must be brought outside the camp and there hide their flesh and their dung must be burnt. Their hide, that is their skin, their flesh... And their dung must be everything must be burnt. I mean, there, this is some strong stuff in the Old Testament, talking about how everything must it must be a complete and total uh, uh, sin offering, a complete and total sin offering, right? And you can get into the details of that uh, on your own. But the point over here we're trying to make is that when God uh, when God became um, started making a provision for sin, He started putting this. Ho- this whole sacrifice or this shedding of blood business right from the start in the in the Levitical priesthood and in the order of the priesthood and in the, in the sacrificial system. So once that got started, people began to see that every time they sinned, that they had to bring an offering. Every time they sinned, they had to bring an offering. Every time they sinned, they had to bring an offering. Day after day, week after week, year after year, offering after offering, bulls and goats. And it just got bloody. It got horrific it got it got uh, morbid and people began to understand the weight of their sin when they saw the amount of sacrifice all around them. But then all of that pointed to the one person who will come, who will by his own blood cover our sin. So then that's uh, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. He says, how much more, as the author of Hebrews compares the old Levitical priesthood and all the sacrifices with Jesus, he says, how much more then will the underline the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. How much more? So, if all the blood of bulls and goats, all those sacrifices, all those kurbans uh, could not take it uh, could take you know away the sin of all those people who brought the sacrifices, how much more the very Son of God, the holy Son of God, who came and gave his life as a ransom? So we get a confirmation of that in the New Testament where that blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, was more efficacious, effic- more effective, efficacious. More effective than all the blood of all the bulls and goats and everything that was ever uh, sacrificed before that. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In him, that's Jesus, we have redemption from, through his blood. Okay. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Through Him and in Him we have redemption. We, we, it's ours. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Um, so Christ comes in. Okay, what am I talking about? The whole, the holiness of God, that sin must be punished. That all of man has sinned. So all of man's sin has to be covered by a sacrifice that is able to cover all of man's sin. All the bulls and goats couldn't do that. Then Jesus comes and with his own blood, which is efficacious, able to cover the sin of all man for all time, for all sin. Wow. He comes, he gives his life, he sheds his blood and boom, the job is done. So the wrath of God against all man, all sin for all time is appeased. The justice of God is appeased. The wrath of God is appeased. Here, Romans chapter 5 verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. Okay, are you with me? So the wrath of God is appeased. Now, so you got three things. Number one, man has sinned and broken covenant with God. Number two, there's a sacrificial system that wasn't enough, but it pointed Jesus comes in. And Jesus then sheds his blood his blood one man's blood is able to cover the sin of every man all time all sin and he does it and he covers our sin it's a sin covering and he does that and when that's done the wrath of God is appeased the wrath of God is appeased much more having been so last but not least with that same blood he writes a new covenant okay so old covenant broken Blood of gulls and goats didn't work Jesus' blood worked, God is uh, appeased, justice is served. now a new covenant has to be written, and basically god uh, uh, God writes that new covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, one Corinthians chapter eleven. I quote it to you over and over and over again every single Sunday as soon as we take uh, when we take communion if you're familiar with that so all that to say. The theological consideration is this: that all sin is paid for, all sin is covered. Okay, so a few questions: Does Jesus's blood, does Jesus's uh, sacrifice, cover everybody's sin? Answer: Yes. So everyone in the whole world who has ever lived, their sin is covered by Jesus Christ. Yes. For God's love, the whole world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Got it. Then if Jesus has covered everyone's sin, shouldn't everybody were forgiven and every gone go to heaven? Technically, yes. Now the way to heaven is open. Now the way to reconciliation with God is open. But it is only through Jesus Christ. Because he's the one who who died he's the one who shed his blood he's the one who wrote a new covenant and he's the one who rose again to be the advocate of that new covenant so he's the one who represents you in in heaven so it is in him through him by him and without uh, you you get and without him is impossible so that's what makes it unique now it becomes not about your sin now it becomes about you trusting christ for that work for that atonement for that redemption ...for that covering. So, is the sin of the whole world in the sight of God covered? Answer, yes. So, is everybody going to heaven? Answer, no. Why? Because God wants that because Jesus gave his life for everyone... ...everyone must bow their knee to him. And those who bow their knee to him... ...to them it will be applied. The blood of Christ will be applied. By faith, by their faith in Christ... The grace of his blood will be applied to them. And that, con- that condition, God the Father has set in him and through him and by him alone. Okay, so we've sorted that out. Now, let's come to the question we want to answer for this evening. If all sin is covered, if all sin is covered, that means you can't punish the same sin twice. If Jesus was punished for my sin, then you can't punish the same sin twice. So how can you punish Jesus for my sin and then punish me also for my sin? Is that fair? Answer? No, that's not fair. That doesn't make any sense, right? So God is just and will not do that. I want you, my dear brother and sister in Christ, to understand that God does not and will not punish any sin again. His justice has been appeased. The blood of Christ has been applied. And your sin has been covered. So God is not anymore punishing sin. It was completely done. It is covered. Let me take it another way. Let me put it another way. If you say that God is punishing people for their sin or punishing me for my sin, you're saying that his blood was not sufficient. You're saying that his blood was not sufficient, that you're saying that his blood was likened to the sacrifices of the sacrificial system and that it was not enough. It is a question on the efficacy of the blood of Christ, the effectiveness of the blood of Christ, the capacity of the blood of Christ to cover all sin for all time for all men. And that becomes a theological problem with God the Father. Because the Bible says, Hebrews, that he gave his life for us once and for all, and he sacrificed and with his own blood, he sprinkled it on the real mercy seat in heaven. And after finishing that, he sat down. That's, that is critical. He sat down. No priest has ever sat down because the job was never over. He had to go out, come back again for the next sacrifice. Go out, come back again for the next sacrifice. But this sacrifice, boom, done. Never again. So God will never punish another sin because all sin has been. That, that, is, that is amazing. That is amazing just stop to let that soak in that there isn't a single sin of a single human being that jesus in his love hasn't covered the sin of every religion every religious person the sin of every atheistic and agnostic christ all christ has covered the sin of absolutely every single one so that they can come to heaven they can come to god they can be restored and reconcile to God not because they sinned or didn't sin because every all have sinned but because they acknowledge the the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ very quickly let's take us take us to the the other two considerations God deals with how does God deal with broken covenant he sends a son he covers our sin how does God deal with errant children now you come to Christ you have acknowledged the the atoning work of the lord jesus christ you have believed on the lord jesus and you are saved your name is written in the lamb's book of life in heaven your sin has been wiped clean you you have been there's no record of your sin in heaven and on earth god has acknowledged you as his child god has given you his spirit to live in you until the day you die and then take you to heaven to be with him. God has given you every promise in his book and God has given you His the, the church to be his family along with you as, lo- as long as you're here on earth. So, do we still sin? Answer, yes. Does God punish that sin? Answer, he's already punished that sin in Jesus. So that does that mean we keep on sinning and do whatever we want? Answer, no, we cannot do that. We must We must understand that while sin is paid for and covered, God wants us to get onto the corrective track. God wants us to become like the Lord Jesus. He wants us to become like his son. So how does God deal with errant children? By correcting them. By correcting them. Let me give you a few uh, uh, scriptures here. Write this down. Sin is paid for, but error is corrected. Sin is paid for, but error is corrected. Corrected. Job says in chapter 5, verse 17 Behold, how happy is the man whom God approves or approves. Behold, how happy is the man whom God reproves. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. Excuse me. Behold, how happy is the man whom God reproves. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. 2 Second, Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for four things. Number one, to teach you the right way. Number two, to reprove you, that is rebuke you when you do go off the right way. Number three, to correct you and put you back on the right way. And number four, to keep you on the right way. Okay? For, for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training. Let's do that again. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God. Okay. So God has given his spirit and he's given us his word to do what? To correct us because we will go astray. But when we go astray, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is that? 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. That's right. So all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. And if you don't listen and you go astray, if you sin, if you do something wrong, then to correct you. You say, oh, that's wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Sorry, Lord. And you come back. You repent. You come back. Then he corrects you. He brings you back onto the right track. He puts you back into the right uh, way of, of of living. And number four, he trains you. He keeps you in the right way of living. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12 says this. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Let's do that again. Proverbs 3 verse 12. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves. So what a shift. Huh? What a shift. So we have in the Old Testament or we have in time past an angry God. Because man has violated the covenant with him. Man has Uh, has has violated the image with which he was made Uh, he was made in the image of God and man has broken covenant with God how does a holy God deal with sin he covers sin in his mercy so he sent Jesus to cover his sin that's how a holy God deals with sin but he does deal with sin and without the remission of shedding of blood there is no remission of sin done okay now once that is done he brings you to himself and he makes you his child Whoever believes to them he gave the right to become the children of God even to those who believed on his name so he brings you into his family and makes you a child of God now that you have become a child of God he is going to put his character into you so when you go astray when you do wrong the sin of uh, the sin that was covered by Christ will continue to be covered the sin that was covered by Christ will continue to be covered but God is not going to let you stay in your sin He's going to correct you. He's going to show you the way of righteousness and he's going to bring you very lovingly. The Bible says it is his kindness that leads us to repentance, knowing that he loves us, right? So now the whole shift is from an angry God to a loving father. A loving father will correct. A loving father will correct. He says whom the Lord loves, he reproves. So the question is, how does God reprove? How does God correct believers whose sin is already covered? Once your wrongdoing is covered, how does God correct you? And that's where the rubber meets the road. This takes us to the third area, which is how God restores his name and fellowship. How does he correct us? How does he bring us back onto the right track? Uh, John 15, 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So God is in, uh, interested and invested in not only um, making you pure and holy, but making you fruitful in your work so that the outcome of your life is pure and holy. God wants to see his character shine through you. He wants to see his work shine through you. God wants to do an amazing work through you. So how does he do that? How does God uh, rectify? How does he correct? How does he punish uh, in that sense, how does he correct believers? Let me give you a few lifestyle uh, lessons from my life and from my experience from walking with the Lord for for uh, 39 years and from, uh, from the scriptures and from watching other believers. This is not hard and fast. This is not how it always works with everybody. But these are few ideas. God will bring in somebody who will tell you what's wrong in your life. But we normally cut off those people. We don't like them anymore. We tell them to go take a walk. So that chance is gone. God then reminds you with his word over and over again, using your conscience and the prompting of the Holy Spirit to keep saying, turn around, turn around. That's not good. Turn around. You're going in the wrong direction. Turn around. So the Holy Spirit will keep prompting you. And when you don't do that and when you, when you uh, uh, deliberately over a period of time shun the voice of the spirit and you quieten the voice of the spirit, then the voice of the spirit goes quiet. He, he is quenched. He, he goes quiet. He's not about to, to invade your privacy and your freedom and your, your free will. You came to him in your free will. You need to stay in him in your free will. So God goes quiet. When God goes quiet, he doesn't answer prayer. He's not pouting. He's not like us. He's not sulking. He's not like us. But he goes quiet because he doesn't play games. He's not going to give you what you want. He's not going to uh, be in, uh, give you his presence and go with you. And, and support you and, and, and give you everything, give you himself when you are harboring sin or sinful lifestyles. So God pulls back. He still continues to provide generally. The sun will still shine. Basic needs will still be met. God will, uh, in his sovereign will to be good to you, he will continue to be good to you. And many of us cannot understand, differentiate that, from the general the generic goodness of god to me and the favor of god upon my life the generic goodness of god god is good to everyone he provides everyone with opportunities he provides our needs he he looks after everyone here the rain shine, rain uh, uh, comes on the on the good and the wicked but the goodness of god is mistaken for the for the anointing or the uh, the the favor of god and god pulls back his favor Uh, God also um, will not listen to your worship. God will not listen to your worship. Your praise and your worship will hit the ceiling and come right back. The Bible says your prayers will be cut off. Cut off. Number three. Number four. And this is the worst, the worst punishment and correction that God gives believers. He lets you have your way. He gives you what you want. He lets you have your way. With a breaking heart, as a father to the prodigal son, he gives you what you want until you go mess it up, ruin yourself, ruin his name, take your own sweet time, And on some wonderful day, much later into the future, you come running back. And he still is at the door, at the window, and he sees a sight of you and he comes running in your direction. That's the father. So there are children of God who, the Bible says, trample on the blood of Christ. There are children of God who walk cold with the Lord. There are those who have lost their first love there are those who do not love God with all their all, every every fiber of the being with all their heart soul mind and strength for me <laughs> when I think about sin I can't get past the first covenant the first commandment I don't even get to all the lying and cheating and murder and everything the very first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul all your mind and all your strength huh. <laughs> I just get stuck on that itself and most of us struggling with that and that is the biggest the biggest sin of any does God still punish sin today no he doesn't sin is punished sin has been punished completely God does not hold grudges God does not hold uh, a sentence against anybody sin has been covered now you are a child of God but as a child of God either you're an obedient child Or you're a disobedient child. Either you're a child in fellowship or you're a child out of fellowship. There is nothing in between. Going to church has nothing to do with it. Going to church has nothing to do with it. The Lord's table has a lot to do with it. But when God as a father, a loving, just father, when he wants to correct you, he will speak to you in tender tones. He will scream at you through pain, through suffering. The pain and suffering is the megaphone of God. He will scream at you. He will bring you to your knees. He will prune you. This is the pruning we are talking about. He will prune you. He will take relationships away from you. He will fail you at your tests. He will fail, uh, he will fail you at your assignments. He will, he will remove blessings from you. This is not a punishment for sin. This is a corrective measure so that you'll turn around and come back to him. This is the fight for your heart. It's the fight for your heart. It's the screaming heart of God for you to stay close to him. Someone who has already been uh, covered by the blood of Christ. So God is vested in you now. He will take everything more seriously. And so he will even remove a job. He will even remove a person from your life. And this is some hardcore pruning that he does to those he loves. So the Bible over and over, over and over again. So David says this, Job says this. Other, Do not despise the reproof of the Lord. Some stupid believers, stupid, stupid believers who don't understand the love of Jesus. When God lets something horrific happen to them, rather than understanding and coming to their knees and said, Lord, are you breaking my pride? Lord, are you trying to turn my eyes on something else? Lord, are you trying to bring something to my attention? Lord, what is it I'm not seeing that you're seeing? Believing that what he wants is good for me, what he wants is, is in my interest. Believing that you come back to God, using every opportunity, everything that goes wrong, come running back to God and say, Lord, is, is, there, is there something I'm missing here? Instead of doing that, they mock, they turn away they close their bible they start using abusive language they get absorbed in work they disconnect from fellowship and they blame it on the church foolish foolish we laugh at the guy who who was a prodigal son who ran away from his father we laugh at him that he had to uh, he had to sit with the pigs in the pigsty and and, uh, and eat their food we we applaud that he came running back and he asked forgiveness from God. But who of us is different to that guy? Yeah. So number one, as we close, sin must be punished. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So this is a covering issue. This is a covering issue. Sin has been covered. Never again will your sin be punished. Never again will God punish you for sin. So whatever is happening in your life, God is not punishing you for sin. Sin is covered. But two, Christ must be glorified. Number one, sin must be punished. But number two, Christ must be glorified. That means you are to be conformed to the image of his son. You have come in faith. Now his grace makes you like him, makes you like Jesus. And to become like Jesus could be a painful process. Because the cracked pot has to be smashed. I am the potter. I am the potter, God says. You are the clay. Smashed chuna tuna karke tuna tuna karke we just absolutely bring it down to 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 sand bring it down to absolute sand right absolutely mash it once it's mashed it's smooth then he pours the water of his spirit and he begins to mold that thing again into a beautiful jar of clay god doesn't fix broken pieces he remakes and rebuilds and regenerates you into a brand new person and that crushing of the grape, that crushing of the pot, the broken pot, the broken vessel, is a painful process to which believers must must, with love and with faith, turn to God and ask God to uh, to restore them. To to uh, sing it, sing it loud. You are the Potter, I am the clay. Ha- have your way, Lord. Have your way. Let me close with Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-nine. For those God foreknew. For those God for you, he also predestined, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Why? So that he, might, he would be the firstborn among many brothers. For those God foreknew, you, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be firstborn among many brothers. God is at work in your life. He has set your destiny not to a place but to become like Jesus. And that's going to take some work. So, to answer the question, does God still punish believers for sin? Answer, no, he doesn't punish believers for sin. He is no more angry and there is no more punishment left. To say there's punishment left or that God still punishes, you are questioning the atonement and you're questioning the efficacy of the blood of Christ. However, now that you are a child of God and God's will is that you should become like Jesus, does God correct lovingly as a father? does God manipulate the circumstances around you in his sovereign will to be able to help you see that you're going off track to be able to help you live a fruitful life answer yes he does and he does that in love and he does that as a father so you'll never see the consequences of your sin in terms of punishment but you'll see the correction of God so that your sin doesn't rob you of the blessing of God before God took away punishment but now God takes away every chance of you losing your blessing. God wants you to have your blessing, both here and in eternity. With that thought, let me say a word of prayer for those who are uh, those who are caught in slavery, flesh trade, labor, all around the world, especially in our country. Father in heaven, this evening we want to pray for those who are in slavery, born into slavery, born into debt. It's not their fault not their lot. That is not your will. It is the wickedness of man and wickedness of man alone that has caused that. It is injustice in society. It is in the, the injustice of man and the abuse of power that has caused that. It has never been your will and desire. that anyone should be treated that way. Father God would you raise the right people in the right places from the police to the government to NGOs to churches to uh, to society in in all parts of society you, would you raise godly men fathers brothers who will stand up for the for the weak and for the uh, for the those who have been taken advantage of lord would you destroy the work of the wicked one in our country and would you set free the millions and millions of those who have been sold into the flesh trade sold into slavery uh, for no fault of their own or no desire of their own Oh God, would you set them free? Would you move the right hands, the hearts and the minds and the pockets of those who can make a difference? And would you raise the people and empower them so that they may set people free? Thank you for the patience of those who have listened to me this evening. Help us to be reminded that our sin is covered but our, our waywardness is corrected and God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to, to walk in His ways. He is a good, good Father. And nothing will ever change that. We entrust our lives, our, ha- our, our our provision, and we entrust our, our uh, waywardness to You, Lord. And we ask that You mold us, shape us, uh, make us like Yourself. We are willing at any cost to become like Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with me this evening. This was... Uh, Thursday midweek refuel. We had to shift from YouTube to Facebook emergency-wise, and uh, I'll be taking a two-week break from uh, the midweek refuel. For the next two weeks, uh, Thursday nights, I will not be having a midweek refuel, will not be speaking to you, and we will restore uh, in the second week of October. I'll get back to you, and I'll I'll let you know about that. May the Lord bless you. Uh, Have a good night.